This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 8, The Seven Stages. Oh, hi there. I'm Mr. Briefcase. If you're watching this presentation, that means you've made the best decision of the rest of your life. You've decided to join the commission. Over the next 90 minutes, I'm going to do my best to show you around this old place. You and I are going to have some fun together. Here at the commission, you'll find a wide array of exciting career opportunities just waiting to be discovered. Which department will be right for you? Analyst, keeping us informed. Operations, keeping us safe. Hi-ya! Infinite switchboard operator, the key to everything we do here. In these rooms, we monitor the entire timeline and report any anomalies we see along the way, keeping the correct timeline at all times. Whatever your skill, education, or comfort level with moral ambiguity, the Commission has an exciting career path in store for you. Oh, hi there, fellow Academy alumni. It's Chris, Chris the Podcaster, and you're here on TV Podcast Industries, and we're going to be discussing over the next 60 minutes the Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 8, The Seven Stages. Over these periods of time, we're going to be doing and deep diving a lot of the actual main points of the episodes, mm-hmm. but I'm not alone. You too can be giving us feedback, because you too are part of these Academy alumni. But more importantly, I'm joined by two other podcast hosts. Gentlemen, why don't you tell them what they've won <laughs> well i'm one of your other hosts derek hello there fellow brolly dollies yes i am one of your other hosts john and i'm currently at stage four um yes so <laughs> it is getting a little close in the podcast room uh always hate editing out flatulence from our podcasts yeah. <laughs> it happens way more often than you think it does <laughs> no, no no i know luckily i usually mute my mic usually. <laughs> luckily you're in a different usually. room chris it's true <laughs> um otherwise you'd all be dead but gentlemen we're here to discuss episode eight of the season two of umbrella academy um what do you guys think quick quick thoughts Really, really like this episode. The discovery of Vanya and the um, interrogation of Vanya by uh, by the FBI, I thought, was really, really well done. Um, you know, there's been that thing, that threat over the head of Vanya since the beginning of the season, since last time she was pushed over the edge reasonably easy, uh, and she destroyed the planet uh, and created Doomsday. And we saw in the first episode she's also heavily involved in what causes doomsday so throughout the season there's always been the threat of what is it that's going to push her over the edge yeah i think lsd uh and um inter- interrogation from the fbi might be the thing that pushes her over the edge uh really really good though yeah, yeah really really like this episode um and yeah we get an answer so interesting Diego manages to infiltrate the infinite switchboard uh, in order to get uh, an answer to the riddle, which only at episode eight, which means we've got two more episodes with which how that answer may unravel. I don't know. Let's see how it goes. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, uh, I'm a bit on the fence uh, on this. And I, 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 it's more and I'll get into it in my top points um, in my discussions. Um, I really enjoyed the episode as a whole, I just did not enjoy some of the the character the story choices. Um, but again, I am following the um, 
story that they are they're they're putting down. This is their story that they know where they want to go to. And as again, we always say, we're not writers. Um, we we're podcasters. So, uh, they have a story they want to tell. Tell me your story. Mm-hmm. I, I may critique it, but it's I know it's going to be good. Um, but I just don't agree with it. I'll definitely say for myself uh, by episode eight of this season. I said it in season one. Season two is also way better story wise than the comic books. Uh, they're so much more coherent and so much more character built. So uh, yeah, yeah, certainly certainly enjoying it. I probably say I know we've got two episodes left, but I haven't said it so far this season. I think season two is a, a different class from season one. It's an academy. Oh, yeah. It's an academy after all. Um, every everybody has upped their game. Everybody's got a better storyline. Everybody acting wise is bringing it every episode. Um, so yeah, definitely say that about where we are in uh, this at this part of the season. Yeah, but speaking of this part of the season, do you want to tell us what they gave us for this episode, Derek? Absolutely. Yeah, this episode was directed by Amanda Marcellus. Uh, she directed an episode of Ozark season two and an episode of Ozark season three, and also directed an episode of Westworld season three. Uh, we binged Ozark in about uh, two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely loved that show. It's uh, it's my version of Breaking Bad, as in I liked it and I'll sell it to everybody <laughs> that I possibly can. Watch Ozark, it's really good. Uh, the teleplay for this episode, once again, written by Mark Goffman, who wrote episode two, and Jesse McGowan, who wrote episode three. So we're getting to the tail end of the season. We always see this on Netflix shows, uh, more of the writers that wrote early episodes uh, coming together to tie up all the ends of the show as we get towards the end of the season. So uh, great to see Goffman and McGowan back uh, on this episode. John, do you want to give us the synopsis for this episode of Umbrella Academy? Sure. A desperate five concocts a risky plan to intercept another version of himself. Meanwhile, the FBI tortures Vanya as Diego discovers the actual causes of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. So much good stuff in this episode. But Chris, you were mentioning earlier on that there's some things you may have had an issue with. I feel that may be forming part of your big moment from the episode. It really is. Um, so I'll take my first point for once, actually. Um, no, actually, I say that for once, but no, I've been taking first point for a while now. The whole season. Um, <laughs> but this one I, I need to. Um, my big point for this episode, and I don't mean any disrespect to the writing staff, why does it have to be Vanya? <laughs> she is so inevitable, Chris. Yes, we discover the cause of the apocalypse for in this season is once again Vanya. Um, Vanya, uh, uh, as discovered by Diego when he, um, is basically goes to the commission and he goes to the infinite switchboard mm-hmm. and is helped to, uh, basically pull up what actually causes it. It's Vanya being tortured, blows up the FBI building, floats out. Uh, the president runs off, is, escapes. Uh, he thinks it's the Russians. The Russians. Uh, and they, Americans fire some missiles in retaliation. Mm-hmm. The Russians then retaliate with some more missiles. Then the Americans fire some nukes. Then the Russians fire some nukes. Then everyone fires nukes. And it's the end of the world. That is the, the story as it goes as quickly played out by that, uh, in that newsreel. Um, but it's all caused by Vanya. Yeah. I'm slightly disappointed. Okay. Um, because my opinion is that it shouldn't just be, Vanya, it should be the academy. So when I, what I honestly thought was the truth was it was Diego saving 
are attempting to save John F. Kennedy from the assassination uh, means that then they, something happened and JFK was alive and that that's what was causing the apocalypse. Mm. JFK being alive. I'm partially right in that JFK is alive. It's just not Diego who says it's actually Vanya. Yeah. And I, I don't like that it's her again. I, and I, I just think I get it. I just don't like it. I, and I look at each to their own. It's a clever thing, but I can see this if, if and when we get season three, this will be held over Vanya's head again. Uh, it's like you caused the apocalypse okay. again. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think you're reading too much into it um, because it's JFK who causes. Uh, and okay, this kind of leaks into my point. So mm-hmm. it's a sequence of events leading up that caused the apocalypse. Yeah. First one, Vanya, absolutely. It was her power that chunked part of the moon away to the, that came in and, and blew up earth. Here it is definitely um, that she effectively causes a distraction, which means JFK lives. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is JFK along with the Russians that are the cause of the apocalypse, which is not surprising in the age of cold war, I suppose with nuclear weapons. Mm. But also remember all of the interrogation that's been going on from, from Vanya has led them to believe that she's Russian. Exactly. The the FBI handler who's trying to interrogate her speaks Russian and instantly she responds back in Russian to him, not understanding why she's able to speak that. So all of that piece uh, is a really good, I think uh, way of having her involved in it having involved in the apocalypse. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is, at the moment, we don't actually know that it will be Vanya because this is only what what is on the timeline at the infinite switchboard operator. Mm-hmm. It hasn't actually happened yet. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, it has happened, but it's... But not in, in the, the show. That, not on the show, yes. And... I agree. Well, well, just as a reference, you know, Herb even says... JFK died, did he? You know, so in Herb's timeline, JFK's alive. Yeah. So, uh, so he doesn't understand what Diego's talking about when he's saying, um, how, did she kill JFK or who killed JFK, basically, because JFK's still alive. So we know that's not a real timeline because <laughs> JFK did die in our timeline. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the, as, as I kind of joked about, I like the inevitability that she is going to cause, uh, Doomsday, you know. I like that Diego's the one that finds out because he basically, his response to it is if I'd put a bullet in her head back uh, before the first doomsday, uh, which he resisted doing, if I'd killed her back when I had the opportunity to do it, this still wouldn't happen. This doomsday wouldn't happen again. You know, so I kind of like the idea that it is her at the center of it. No matter what happens, there's going to be something that she's involved uh, in the end of the world. Yeah, that's that's where I I kind of I I joked and I said I I kind of understand it. So if they are going, and I suppose season three will be the the answer mm. because if in season three Vanya once again is somehow responsible, like back tracking it back, that as you said, she is always inevitably the cause of the apocalypse. Yeah. I do like your point though, John, that that it's not her as the cause. She's not exploding the world and the moon no. to kill the earth it's it's the humans that did it it's it, it's the president of america that it's pisses she's off, the catalyst. that pisses off the russians to do it yeah but actually it we we don't know that yet it's just the timeline 
So I, I don't know whether there will be anything in episode nine and ten, whether it because as I say, we kind of get the answer here. It feels all wrapped up uh, very much in a bow, but we have two episodes to go, and hmm. um, so it may complicate uh, beyond that. It could still actually be Vanya, absolutely, but in a different way. I think the interesting thing here is, you know, we even with the. Um, the majestic 12 that there's something there that diego is connecting on to and we see that with grace checking out diego's suspicions Mm -hmm. that that there is even you know there is a third um party at play here there is the majestic 12 as well as the commission and then there's the academy so um yeah it's interesting but i mean yeah absolutely she is at the moment, on the infinite switchboard, she is a catalyst uh, for um, the apocalypse uh, because her explosion means that JFK is not assassinated. Um, and just because I keep getting this mixed up, and number five was on the grassy knoll to make sure he was assassinated or to make sure he wasn't assassinated. We don't know right now. Okay, uh, what we saw in the first season of that first episode was old number five making the jump and the gun behind him, but we didn't see the death of Kennedy or we didn't yeah. see him shooting another shooter or whatever it was that was supposed to happen there. We know that he jumped out on the job and left it, but we exactly. don't know what his mission was. So I presume after this episode, we may find out what his actual mission was because um, because we have the conversation between I the mean, two fives in this episode. Yeah, the only thing I'm assuming is that his mission... So at the moment, my assumption is his mission was to stop the, or, or to maintain the assassination, but, maintain, but he maintain him because, jumping, mm-hmm. Kennedy's still dead from season one. So... Yeah. Oh. Isn't he? Because otherwise the apocalypse would have happened in uh, because JFK would have. Because I presume all these events are kind of happening. I mean, it, I, simultaneously, mm-hmm. possibly. Uh, that's the thing. It it starts to get Timing very way. complicated with yeah. the fact that yeah. are the events of season one happening there with the events of season two happening at that same point? Mm. Because obviously they are because of number five's plan to go and connect in with himself. Yeah, and so. What was the intention then? And was that ultimately connected to the fact that they knew what was happening in season two? Mm-hmm. Because you see Herb there with Diego at the switchboard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this all becomes a little interesting, yeah. I suppose. I quite like it. I like it. But I'm kind of trying to keep it straight in my head is, is um Yeah. Oh, certainly. An interesting thing yeah, as well. And that's, <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's always the challenge with time travel stuff, isn't it? Like, we know Diego left 1963, is at the commission, and as of right that moment when he's checking the, the timelines effectively, what's happened there is JFK is still alive, caused by Banya, um, potentially caused by Five not killing him from the grassy knoll. Maybe that's yeah. all wrapped up together. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, just that that's kind of the, the issue is we're being told the story from maybe Diego's mind, Diego's place and time is where we're seeing the story from. Um, had he gone there a week beforehand or 14 days beforehand, JFK would have died and the apocalypse would yeah. have, Doomsday would have happened in 2019. So, um, so now it's the timeline's evolving because this family have gone back to the 60s. Exactly. So, yeah. I think the other thing with this is like, if it is Vanya, I think there's, I kind of, I suppose I'm going back to Doctor Strange uh, with the movie. Um, I like that there's, 
for me, I, I suppose maybe slightly different from Chris is I like the inevitability that Vanya is this bomb and um, that always happens. There's a fatality to it. That no matter what they do, Vanya. And so he is the cause of all the destruction of the planet and um, that there is this finality to it. And so effectively they're they're stuck in a time loop yeah it's like it's like the record player skipping it keeps going back yeah no matter what they try to do and have they figured that out yet so yeah. that actually um they need to kill vanya i think um, yeah i think i think the issue with vanya is that she's getting such a wealth of massive power to her delivered immediately yeah. without any guidance from anybody um, she's not in control of the powers in some in some ways. We've seen her been able to control it a little better this season as she got a little bit of instruction from the family. We saw that little bit more control out of her. But if she'd been treated right from the beginning by Reggie Hargreaves, uh, if he'd actually given her instruction like he gave the rest of the family, maybe she would have been able to be in control of her powers and not be the person who caused Doomsday. But, mm. uh, but we're not seeing that because uh, she's so powerful that if she loses control, she could blow up the planet, basically. But, okay, I get that. But would it not also be cool that it was the the actual Academy, the, the whole of them? So in season three, it's Klaus's fault mm-hmm. that the apocalypse happens because he communes with Hitler and Hitler takes over his body. <laughs> That's absolutely a possibility in season three. If it gets confirmed, we still haven't gotten a note for, yeah. for whether there will be a season three. Um, I suppose that just one thing I would say, Chris, as well, the doomsday itself, I felt from the, from the first episode, I thought it was actually caused by the Academy working for the American government. Um, that's the way I took it. It's a very short scene in that first episode, but all of them are fighting on the side of the American government and the nukes land in the US blowing it up effectively. So nobody else yeah. fires nukes. If you fire nukes, that's the end of the world, basically. So uh, the only people that fire nukes are the Russians hitting American soil because of the academy fighting alongside the Americans, yeah, is what I thought was happening. So, Oh, you, what you thought? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So in the first episode, that's what you thought, and that's fine. What we actually find out is that both of them fired nukes at different times, yeah. and then this is a, the final nuclear explosion. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, so the, ultimately, the academy here is fighting a war, mm-hmm. but it is the humans that are firing the yeah. nuclear missiles. So I think in Diego's scene at in um, at the Infinite Switchboard, it's that they fire at Alaska first, the Russians, and then there's the retaliation and just that build up of retaliation until you get yeah nuclear holocaust and if you don't obviously die from the bomb uh then you've got yes that lovely radiation to uh kind of make it really awful for the next sort of year six months maybe three or four weeks exactly you don't turn into the depends how close you are to the blast yes yes ultimately you don't turn into the hulk um that's 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 a myth no. from comic books. <laughs> um, Chris is. I want to try. You can't tell me I can't be the Hulk. <laughs> I'm angry enough anyway. You can be the Hulk if you want to be the Hulk, Chris. But is that Thank the end you. of your of your main point? That's the the end of my rant. My point. Anything else that anybody else has on Vanya from the episode? She's quite central to it. I think the particularly with the interrogation that's going on throughout the episode. John, anything? Yeah, it's just the the torture scene um, at the FBI building at uh, the. 
Uh, in particular, I love the LSD uh, sequence uh, mm-hmm. with the the little drops to the eyeballs, where you kind of get that melting clock thing. You the the tray of water um, turning into eyeballs. turning into eyeballs, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Vanya uh, seemingly then connecting um, backwards into the. Uh, uh, academy with reggie with all of them there like uh, they were uh, as kids yeah. but there, there's also um this this connection it, this idea that um harlan now is connected and linked with vanya you see his um him mimicking her movements mm-hmm. uh, as uh she's being tortured with the electricity by the fbi agent um and so yeah, this is a really. I, I kind of thought, you know, the the, the whole sequence of, of Vanya's interrogation, um, just really kind of good. I thought so it good. was, you know, uh, just the way it was done, linking with Harlan, the LSD, you know, trippy drugs always kind of kind of makes things interesting, like they they've done with Klaus in in that mm-hmm. sense. It's, uh, you know. Because you can just go mental with the graphics. Exactly. Um, I thought actually they could have gone yeah. a bit more mental with it because I like the idea that this whole room would be wibbly wobbly and mm. um, getting a little psychedelic. Um, I have to say, that, you know, that's an eyeball out of the clock in the room the whole time. It keeps staring at her. It's probably the freakiest <laughs> oh, yeah. one of all of them. It looked like the eye of Sauron as well because <laughs> it was kind of an orange. Um, moving with with her movements as well, yeah. Uh, and just the, the music set to that, the Butthole Surfers uh, song, Pepper, is just yeah. so perfect. It really, you know, it's amazing thinking that they're back in the 60s and probably could have chosen a multitude of songs that have always been used for psychedelic moments. You know, there's so many tunes throughout the, towards the end of the 60s that they could have chosen, but uh, Butthole Surfer's song works so well here. Really, really good. Um, a great scene. And again, is this the first time we've seen all of the cast wearing their uh, their Umbrella Academy uniforms as adults? Because we obviously saw the younger yeah, yeah. versions of all of them in the past wearing those uniforms and having someone like Luther squeezing into an Umbrella Academy uniform, uh, I thought was hilarious. Uh, but yes, having them all sitting around the table um, as it's infecting her mind, as, as the interrogation is infecting her mind, was just really good. I really yeah. enjoyed it. And, and you get yeah. that explosion as well then uh, that connects with Harlan just right at the end yeah. uh, with the blue light. Well, not explosion. It's just her power exactly. energy sort of radiating out of the interrogation room yeah yeah that that radiating energy is just so interesting it, it's just it's it's so different to what we saw in the previous season uh when she was exploding and like that so it's 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 as i was saying earlier or in previous episode it seems like they've all upgraded their powers mm-hmm. and or their powers are growing yeah. now that they're all using them more it's just that constant growth yeah um the the mutation of the mutation, if you will. maybe maybe yeah, I, I, like I, I love that we're seeing what the effect of her bringing Harlan back to life is. This actual connection between the two of them, because we were speculating what it was. Had he pa- had she passed on all of her powers to him? Clearly not, but she has uh, passed on uh, some connection shared. between the two of them. So they're probably yeah, shared. she shared yeah. her firefly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, or like that, her firefly is now two. Um, but yeah, so uh, moving on from Vanya, then I, I suppose mm-hmm. John. What is your 
big point for this episode? Um, it's just the induction and onboarding of Diego <laughs> at, at the commission. Um, I, I kind of felt like no, that's the thing. I, I kind of felt like I was having an out of body experience uh, in the sense that he took his abduction and drugging by uh, Leela just kind of so well, mm. and also that the handler is kind of on board with uh, her new head of security also her daughter uh, getting one of their greatest uh, nemesis to to sort of work with her and i kind of like though that despite all that i really like um the fact that diego kind of does play the smarts here uh, when the induction with mr briefcase and he finds out about the infinite switchboard uh, goes to uh, look to see what uh was the cause of the mm. apocalypse. Um, and I love then that uh, he he connects in or is helped by Herb. Um, I love the fact that they take, you know, this kind of this kind of nerdy, awkward, uh, bus of all jokes yeah. kind of a operative in, in the commission. And I love the fact that then he helps Diego out with how to use the the um the the switchboard because Diego just causes loads of sparks, a slight electric feedback uh-huh. uh, for him. Uh, and we see then it's uh, this the, the Vanya in the FBI building. Um, and also you get the sense of, uh, you know, the welcome to the resistance as there is this, <laughs> uh, this, this grouping led by Herb realizing that people are going missing under the handler's uh, sort of coup. Yeah. And so anything to sort of mess with her, they have, so he has helps Diego to go back, steal one of the briefcases to go back to 1963, mm-hmm. uh, where, where they beam into Ray's house and you have, um, both Herb and Diego back in, uh, the, Early sixties here, so I, lo- I love how um, how nonchalantly Allison introduces the third of her brothers <laughs> yeah, to, to exactly. Ray. Another one of my brothers, Diego. <laughs> He's popped back from the future, you know. And Herb looking at the dead body in, in the room of the Swede, going, "We have people to clean that up if you really need something." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, really good. But do they? That's the question I have. <laughs> it's like we don't hear very much after that. No. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing here as well, just connecting back to the Swedes, is that. The elder Swede here has an important sort of realization, and mm-hmm. um, that the the instructions that were delivered down the chimney are kind of not authentic. And exactly. um, so he suddenly, you know, he's able to tell that it smells like lavender, which I suspect connects him back to the um, the the sauna uh, with the the lavender being used as the the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, slapper and then and also the the kind of the fake paint you know the self-made blue peter constructed um make it yourself uh tube that she did in the hotel room so so this was the tube that was delivered by leela because she's a climber uh from the handler so the handler uh being connected here so that's definitely coming back towards the last two episodes right must must be has now found out he's now on a vendetta course because two of his brothers are now dead uh because of uh because of the handler so um one other thing about the handler you said that she was really happy about uh about her new choice of uh choice of right-hand man for her new head of security with diego um i absolutely loved her line going um your vagina needs glasses you can do a lot better than this guy <laughs> so, <laughs> her daughter, absolutely brilliant <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I heard that that was one of the best. Although I do love the idea. I'm not. I'm just putting it out there that season three is all of the academy working for the commission. Mm, yeah, being like they are the the security. They are the operatives to keep the timeline on check. Uh huh. Maybe. Maybe. Like that's it. Like that's a cool thing because you. It would really depend. All the skill sets. Absolutely, it would really depend, and I think that's kind of the conversation that Diego has with Leela in this episode where. Uh, he's trying to get an understanding of what the commission do. And she kind of says they maintain the correct timeline. And that is the perception that has, that causes the problems with the commission, isn't it? So it, the correct timeline is all dependent on who's in charge to yep. decide what the correct yes, timeline is. So, exactly. So what we've seen already with the handler here is that she wants to make jazz out of the timeline, whatever suits her is the correct timeline effectively. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. whereas AJ may have been better at that, may have been, we don't know too much about him as a personality, but uh, he may have been much more likely to keep a, a, a more coherent timeline or a, more, or a timeline that's closer to what should be actually happening. But uh, but definitely under the handler's control, maybe not, but whoever it is that's going to take it over, maybe that's a, that's a good plan for season three, Chris. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately the handler, I suppose as well, in accepting Diego as well, she may have some nefarious thing around that, but also if he does step out of line or ruffles feathers, as mm. she says, um, then Leela is the one that's going to have to uh, bump him off, basically. If he ruffles even one feather, you will kill him yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, also love Mr. Briefcase the, uh, oh, during yeah. the presentation, smoking away in the cartoon, because that's a nice little uh, nod back to those types of cartoons for the 50s, uh, basically. So I, don't, yeah. I can't really work out where the commission is set. Are they outside of the timeline or are they in the yeah. far-flung fu- future? Because it's not really talked about um, whether people are traveling back and forth to a, a future time, but they're definitely completely outside of the timeline. Because remember, according to uh, what was happening in season one, the timeline ended in 2019. So they must be outside of the timeline is the way I'm thinking of it. But I just don't. Well, the apocalypse happened. Yes. The, the, the world didn't fully end. Like the world didn't explode. It's just the majority of the population I thought died I thought it was apocalypse. everybody died in 2019. Well, That's why they were jumping out of there. there <laughs> they could be on another planet. We know that Sir Reggie is yep. an alien and it may not even be uh, you know the apocalypse here is dealing with Earth. Um so and only Earth, not yep. the rest of of the universe. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just couldn't forget whether they were on outside of the timeline, but yeah, another planet absolutely could be could be the way they're going. Uh, could be uh, where they're all living. Yep. Um but Derek, um, as we all like a fart joke, on to your next point. <laughs> well, it's another big moment for the episode. Uh, Future Five meeting Teen Five, as it was, as I kept describing him uh, in the subtitles uh, for this episode, and the uh, the seven stages of paradox psychosis uh, for this episode. Yes. I absolutely love this. Great. I love how twitchy. <laughs> um, Aiden Gallagher is uh, when he started to come up with this plan, and that kind of translates itself into the itch that's one of the seven uh, stages of paradox psychosis um i really like the interaction with luther i love that it's luther that he chooses to go along with him to be his spotter as he says because luther has this fantastic look on his face tom hopper <laughs> plays it so well as if he has no idea what he's supposed to be doing it's, it's like i'll get i'll get a cue in at some point as to what i'm supposed to be doing yeah they sit down and have their conversation waiting to talk to future five uh, or past five, 14 days younger than, uh, than teen five, as we, as we find out in this episode. But they have the conversation and 
Five tells him what will happen if they don't fix this and then turns around to Luther and says, do you understand what I'm doing? And there's a brief pause from Tom Hopper before he responds with, uh, yes. <laughs> it's as if, I guess I'm supposed to respond with yes anytime he asks, asks me a question. Um, brilliant, brilliant interplay between these two. And especially once you get to see two different actors playing exactly the same role at a table together, I think it's always fun to see what they're doing and both actors playing the role completely the same both of them hunched the same way both of them have their eyes open very wide the same way which i know is a tribute to the comic books um both of them having those conversations with each other where they have the same kind of pitter patter uh just so you know it is the same person that's that's speaking at the side they did a great job uh casting the older version of uh of five for the show yeah so it's interesting we, we saw this actor in season mm-hmm. one but it wasn't until now that we actually, oh my god, they nailed the casting, uh, between these two, these two characters, or these two actors. Because yeah, it's the, the back and forth is just. It's so good, and I just love, as always, with with a show where you have a list of rules that people will go through, <laughs> and I love that all seven of these, uh, of these stages of paradox psychosis start to come out in both of the characters as you go along i think the first one well as i said the first one was the itching you hear you you see um five already itching at the idea when uh his future self has arrived or his past self has arrived in uh in dallas you see him already scratching his neck effectively yeah. that's the start but i love luther jumping in with uh when he says you are itching uh Five says no, and Luther goes, well, that's stage one, that's denial, <laughs> because Luther thinks yeah. he understands what's going on. Uh, but yes, flatulence obviously comes in very quickly uh, as, as uh, <laughs> Five sits down opposite Older Five. Uh, then Older Five takes up the flatulence and walks away to go to the bathroom. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a bunch of, of these uh, stages that they start to go through in this episode. I'm sure we'll see more yeah, in the future. I, but, absolutely. Uh, I really loved uh, Amanda's, the director's choice to do that kind of zombie land uh, listing of the stages being written out on the screen. Absolutely, yeah. Um, just in that kind of the, the scribbling, and I was just like, yeah, no, that's a fantastic choice because you could have just done him like listing mm-hmm. it out, but it's just that it was between that and uh, briefly the briefcase. Those two nods to those informational style kind of videos, mm-hmm. yeah, just brilliant. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved how it started with the listing, but even as well, just where he's. You know, you see inside the fridge, he's hydrating, and then all of a sudden he's dousing himself in talcum powder down his trousers or down his shorts, under his arms, uh, mm-hmm. all to kind of put off the symptoms of these uh, seven stages, uh, which was just really uh, nicely done. And again, just the plotting against each other of the number fives, teen five and ye oldie kind of number five. Um, you know, the counter offer coming in from the older number five to mm-hmm. Luther, effectively, why don't we just take him out? We know what it is now when we go back, so we just jump back. Exactly. to, And that's the thing. This is where all, all these kind of time streams and even the events of season one are just kind of there going, okay, grand. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's just, yeah, this is really, really good. I love how, um, this plotting, uh, between the two number fives with Luther kind of in, 
in the middle. Absolutely. Um, and how easy it is to convince listeners as well. It's like, okay, we just jump forward into 2019. We go and make friends <laughs> with Vanya and it's fine. The, the Doomsday will be will be averted. We'll be grand. And Luther's like, yeah, actually, that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> because, again, Luther hasn't had a very good time in the 60s at all. He's been separated from his family. Yeah. He's had a really crap life, thrown out of his apartment, lost his job. Uh, all that stuff happened to him. So he has nothing really to, to live in 1963 for. Um, so... Probably a good person to go to, but also not the sharpest tool in the, in the toolbox uh, is old Luther. Although I do love him. Should, should we at least make reference to the fact that they're sitting in an Irish bar? Um, the, the most and drinking Guinness. And drinking Guinness. Yes, yeah. they certainly are. Uh, that is, uh, since we're all Irish and since we're sitting in Dublin recording this, it's a nice little thing to have uh, lots of Americans in an Irish bar. I will say uh, that is... <laughs> My nightmare version of an Irish bar, um, having trad music playing for the 45 minutes or so that the characters are in the bar just on loop over and over again, having traditional music being piped in, uh, Irish traditional music. But it is nice that they did use it because there are bars like that, but they're mostly tourist bars. Also, did you see the state of the Guinness that was poured? I did. Yeah, that's why when he yeah. when he said Guinness, I was very suspicious. I think there's a point. Yeah. And, lo- and it was like, so for, for any of our listeners who don't know what Guinness, it should be majority black with a white, a thick white head. Mm, yeah. Um, not think, think of a, think of a, a beer being poured out too fast and you've got too much foam at the top. <laughs> you almost want it like that because it will reduce over time. <laughs> I think everybody's seen a Guinness, Chris. Yes. Okay. Well, then they should know what the 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 white heads on these Guinnesses were like minuscule. Yeah. It looked more like, like a beer, like, like an ale, because it had a yeah, red exactly. tinge to it mm. as well. So right. I was thinking like it was what Kilkenny. Kilkenny yeah. Stand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No um, um, there is a point when they arrive first that that uh, five has had his Guinness just poured for him at the bar, and that looks fine. But it's when they're at the table and he mentions, here I am drinking a Guinness. What did I expect to happen? And it looks like some flat Coke in a, in a, in a <laughs> pint glass, basically. And that's most likely what it was. It <laughs> seems to be a very difficult thing to approximate uh, in movies. So any, any films that are made outside of Ireland don't really use Guinness inside of Ireland. They just keep filling up the actors with Guinness. Um, so uh, I, I, I don't know whether people are very good at actually approximating what it looks like when it's, uh, when it's not actually Guinness in the glass. So. It also explains why most of our actors are always drunk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so most of our shows, if you if you want to see an Irish soap opera, it's essentially just a load of drunk people. Fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting. Yeah. Ah, I'm pot of gold. No, no, Chris. That's not good. We never say pot of gold. That's left to the leprechauns, not to real Irish people. Hey, hey. Just because they're some short doesn't mean they're not real Irish people. Well, true. If there were leprechauns, they would all have passports. You're right, Chris. Apologies. Okay, they, um, thank you. Thank that's you. kind of it for the the discussion between those two characters. My, my main point for the episode, I think it's so good seeing them together. And uh, I love having them work together. I want to see how they, how they uh, play off each other in the next episode. Yeah, right there with you. Anything else we haven't talked about in this episode? I think uh, Vanya's interrogation really took up most of the episode and then the uh, interplay between the fives took up a lot of the rest of it and then Diego in the future. So not a huge amount that we haven't really talked about for the episode, but any notes no. uh, you want to mention? It was just the LSD, um, just, or acid, I suppose, colloquially. Um, but it just the fact that um, we used to live uh, in the city that it was uh, discovered That's uh, right. in Basel, in Switzerland. Um, and they have a... The guy who invented it, one of the chemical companies, um, 
was tripping. He had something like a thousand times the dose that you should have. Uh, and when he cy- <laughs> when he cycled home, he was tripping. Um, and it ended up with him calling his landlady uh, a a witch or something. And uh, yeah. they have a annual bike ride in commemoration of his cycle from his lab to <laughs> um to his home mm-hmm. uh in in basel to celebrate uh the uh discovery of lsd yeah. it was his lab assistant that had to cycle him home wasn't it so he was <laughs> yeah. uh, was tripping balls yeah. as they'd say <laughs> uh, looking at the sky melting in front of him yeah. after taking way too much lsd but uh yeah it's a, it's a fascinating thing uh probably one of the most fascinating things about basel that they invented LSD all probably, the time <laughs> and you probably need LSD, yeah, to survive. To there. survive. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, we're back. We're back anyway. Um, you did a couple of quick notes uh, for me. Um, really loved that moment between Ben and Place. Uh, they had the conversation about, about what was it like for uh, Ben to be inside Place. Uh, Klaus describing it as it's like being one of the lesser Baldwins. Uh, you know they're in there, but uh, but doesn't really accomplish anything for you, which I think is <laughs> very funny. Uh, and Ben saying it's like having no skin but wanting to touch everything. <laughs> I love that because uh, Klaus's response to that it means it, it hit him on the right level. Basically, he totally totally understands that. Uh, very funny. And one scene that I really wanted to pause and take in every single moment. You mentioned earlier on, John, uh, when Grace goes in and sees the uh, the lab of uh, Sir Reginald Hargreaves. Chris, you may not have gotten this. I caught at least one reference to the comic book that's in there. The plans for the televator uh, are on the wall in that room. The televator is the I'd mentioned it before, the elevator that transports the uh, Umbrella Academy around the world to their various locations. So uh, so Sir Reginald Hargreaves is working on some of the great inventions that he has uh, for the future. But in that back room where uh, where Grace is going through all the documents, you see some plans for the televator in there. Six cool. How did you catch that? I, I was going to, I, I was going to slow pause, do it, but I just, I was like... Yeah, I didn't know. I was trying to catch a piece of dialogue that uh, that she said. I paused as I'm rewound and I happened to catch just that little moment there. So I want to go through scene um, by scene in there to see uh, how many other references are to the inventions of Sir Reginald Hargreaves. Have to do that next time. I, I'd say there's also I, I I think I did see the Eiffel Tower. So that was my only piece. Oh yes, of course. I yeah. saw a photo of the Eiffel Tower. Mm. So at one point, uh, I don't know if yeah, should we say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the comic books, the Eiffel Tower is uh, a spaceship. Mm. And uh, so I, I caught that it's reference. the first mission. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, it's a, yeah, it's the first mission that they do in the comic books. So I think it's definitely something. It's being, I think these are all just nice, subtle nods mm-hmm. from the, the crew. The one thing, actually, like, like one that we never caught, I don't think, in season one, when Vanya is um, looking at her book. Um, and the back of it is there's a quote from Jared. Yes, Ray, I saw that the other day. Um, yeah. like where he's like, "This is amazing." I.e., one of the creators, it, like he, one of the creators of the Umbrella Academy is the doing the the book quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so he exists. Which is, and I only saw that because it was released on Twitter recently, yeah. and I was like, "How did I miss that?" Yeah, so uh, Jared Way exists in the Umbrella Academy universe. I like that. <laughs> It's like Stanley invests in the uh, Marvel exactly, universe. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that was it for my notes for the episode. Anybody else have anything else they want to mention at all? No, that's it from my side. Yeah, cool. That's it from me. Excellent, excellent. Chris, overall, what did you think of the episode? 
Okay, so I really I enjoy the story they're telling. Um, for me, it was it's really it's fantastic to see how they're getting towards and they're, how they're starting to wrap up everything. Um, as I started with, my only critique, if you want to call it that, is why does it have to be Vanya as the catalyst or the cause again? Like I, I like the idea that. In my head, each of the members of the Academy can be the cause. I thought that's where they were going. I thought Diego was going to be the cause. Or um I actually did just think it was going to be Diego saving JFK. Where actually it's Vanya exploding, saving JFK that causes the apocalypse. So that was just more where I was going with it. Um But it's an interesting... It's They're telling us the story once again. And I, I, I always say this, Eve, just because I don't agree or how I, or I would have done it slightly differently. I'm like, fine. Well, no, you, this is your story. Tell me your story. So for me, I'm, it, I'm enjoying the journey. I just wish the, um, one of the stops on the way was slightly different. I wish we had have gone to, um, we, we we had a stopped off in uh, Hollywood versus stopping off in lower LA <laughs> kind of way uh, on the way to San Francisco, if you want to call it that. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's it. I still loved it. I still really enjoy it. And like the, the actors are doing fantastic jobs uh, with especially five. So John, what did you think of this episode? Yeah. I, again, I really liked this episode a lot. Um, uh, I think uh, for me, it was, I, I gave it four and a half uh, vestigial nipples out of five. Um, I think uh, I, I, I kind of, again, I liked um, this build up again. It, it feels like it's going from one episode to another, just this building up to this release of power by uh, Vanya. And um, I thought her interrogation scene was, you know, really, really good. Um, and, you know, um, it, it's it's a little tricky seeing the FBI doing interrogations, a little precursor to Guantanamo maybe. But you know, I I really liked how um, this kind of built up. I, I like the Hail Mary plan from Number Five and this the two of them plotting against each other. I think as we said, you know, the uh, Teen Number Five, Ye Oldie Number Five, just working really well with Luther. Um, the, the spotter, the wingman stuck in the middle, uh, was, was really good. Um, I like, uh, Diego and his induction. I, I'm surprised he took to it like a duck to water, but nonetheless, uh, I like that he does kind of see this potential, uh, future from the infinite switchboard and, uh, goes back then to try and uh, prevent it, tell the others uh, to try and stop it. Um, so I think uh, I think we'll see how that goes probably in the next episode. Uh, but I, I like that Herb is involved in this resistance against the handler. Um, so, yeah, it's just so good. And, of course, you know, the cheeky little fart that came out in the Irish bar, I think when <laughs> old number five goes to the toilet, mm-hmm. um and just it, these little stages of the paradox um psychosis sort of coming in here um the the sweating on uh the number 5 yeah the kind of agitation the denial all this um just really really nicely done 
So yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, really loving uh, this this season. Uh, consistently excellent. Um, Derek, what did you think of episode eight? Really liked episode eight. In fact, the only thing that really surprises me about this episode is how we can't convince Chris that he's wrong. <laughs> um, I'm not wrong. Totally it's just wrong. a different um, opinion. Vanya is absolutely intended to be the catalyst for for the apocalypse uh, every season of this show so far. <laughs> but it may change if we get a third season. You're absolutely right about that. Um, I just felt like she was a time bomb waiting to go off from the beginning of this season because she arrived with no powers and no memory. Uh, and I like that we're at this point where there have been so many things that could have set her off for the beginning. Uh, and we get to this final episode and we find out what sets her off is well, some LSD and interrogation. Like, well, yeah. It's pretty, pretty massive amounts that are needed to push her over the edge uh, by this time. But uh, but I love how it was handled. I love how the episode was directed and how the scenes were put together, uh, especially seeing all the family together, those weird versions of the family inside Vanya's mind who all stick up for each other and not her, except for Ben. I loved Ben's. Uh, even in her mind, he's being protective of her, whereas everybody else is pushing her um, to release this piece of information. It's Ben the whole time telling everybody to back off. So there is still uh, a really close connection between those two again. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen how close Ben must have been with all the rest of the family, um, but we've never seen his backstory as to why he died. We've never seen what his relationship was with the family when he was alive back in the early days. We saw one scene of him as the horror uh, in, in a bank job, but we're getting this insight between the meeting of Ben and um, and Diego last episode while he was in Klaus's body. Uh, we're getting the insight that he was loved by the rest of the family. So uh, so I, I like that little touch in there. Uh, but yeah, loads of great stuff in this episode. Um, another one of my favorites for the season, I think uh, episode seven just just push it, pushes it out uh, as my favorite. But episode eight, again, really good and loving uh, five versus five um, or five by five, whichever way you want to say it. Yeah, really good. But gentlemen, then, I think with that, it's time to head over to the Ye Olde Academy's pub, pub, pop quiz. There you go. There you go. Yes, we are in the Irish pub there in Dallas today, drinking a dodgy non-Irish Guinness that doesn't quite taste the same <laughs> as if you're located directly on St. James's Gate. It's just because um, the water doesn't come from the Liffey. Well, as you move from that epicentre, it gets worse, worse, mm-hmm. worse, worse, until you get to Beamish in Cork, uh, I think it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, or, or Murphy's is the other one, isn't it? In, yes. In, in, in Cork. Yeah. Gosh. We have a lot of different types of we stuff. Do. Here, we do. We do. Yeah. Murphy's and Beamish are terrible, but that's because I'm a doubler. So, yeah. Anyway. But nonetheless, we're in the Irish bar, and the question for episode eight, the seven stages, is where in the commission handbook can you find the seven stages Ooh. of paradox psychosis? And indeed, what are they? A lot of work for this one, uh, fellow Brolly Dollies. Yes. Uh, but it will pay off. And of course, you can send your answer in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or over on the Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Yes. As mentioned before, we're putting the questions in the spoiler post. So if you want to answer it, answered in the spoiler post there as well for this particular episode uh two points available for this john um i think there's a there's a little bit of work in writing out the uh 
the uh, the seven stages of the paradox, but they're written on the screen for you. The other one might take a little bit longer uh, to come up with the an- the answer for. So yes, uh, so two points, right? Two points, a two pointer, a double header mm-hmm. uh, for this five by five episode. Okay. Yes, the question again: Where in the commission handbook can you find the seven stages of paradox psychosis? Yeah, and what are they? Because all seven are written on the screen, you have to get them all right. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> you have to get them perfect. Yeah. Thanks so much for once again joining us for this episode of the Umbrella Academy discussion. Uh, we will be back next time with episode nine, seven four three. Is it a bit better plane? No, that's a seven four seven. Bye. Thanks, fellow Abrolly dollies. Uh, remember, keep watching, keep listening, keep tripping. Bye. <laughs> Bye.